You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 418, meet Paul McCartney. Oh, but will it spark joy? Set the alarm for 4am, the extreme lives of early risers, and TikTok, life in 15 seconds. That's all coming up after the buzzcocks and harmony in my head. lesser played of their hit singles and quite a contrast with to, to the rather light style of vocals from usual singer Pete Shelley and uh, for a punk era single this is perfection it has a wonderful picture sleeve it zips in and out in three minutes and it biffs you on the nose uh, from the off with Steve Diggle on vocals number 32 in the UK in 1979 the Buzzcocks and Harmony in My Head I'm an enormous fan of Steve Diggle led, mm. led Buzzcocks it almost I love it when non 
non-singers lead singing bands is a bit like um, sort of not outfield players going in goal oh, in football, yes. isn't it? There's always something a bit exciting about it. And I'm also a fan of Steve Diggle and particularly a fan of the person who at my band's debut gig compared my ukulele solos to the guitar playing of Steve Diggle from the Buzzcocks, which was a, a, a somewhat ersatz comparison, but I clung to it nonetheless. No finer tribute could be made. Quite, quite. Better than having my vocals compared to Lily Allen anyway. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 418. I'm Terence Stackham and live and direct from the tropical Nirvana that is East Sussex, England, is Juliet Harris. <laughs> yes, hello from the Sunshine Coast. It is uh, It is so damp, it is unreal oh, down word. here. It depends on your definition of sunshine, but your definition of sunshine would have to be quite broad around oh. these parts this evening. Hello. Now, with the uh, nuclear assault style of operation that promotions and PR work mm. these days, you, none of us will be able to avoid the knowledge that Paul McCartney has a children's book to be published early in September. Uh, fair enough, good luck to him and the illustrator Catherine Durst. Also, mm. oh, how lovely, he's appearing at Waterstones in Piccadilly to read an extract, meet customers and their children and sign copies. Great stuff. How lovely, what a nice day out we'll have. Absolutely regular practice these days, book signings, there you go. Now, what is the one thing that you, the listener, believe that absolutely everyone would want if they get a chance to meet Paul McCartney? I think I'd, ideally I'd like him to listen to my band's songs, but I think it, it, the second place to that would be I'd like a photograph a of photo me and my child and Paul McCartney. Exactly, a photo to keep, display, treasure, whatever, a once-in-a-lifetime moment. The rules set out for this Waterstone signing are breathtaking. Um, Ticket holders will be asked to leave all bags, cameras and mobile phone devices in a bag drop. Um, To help make this process as smooth and as quick as possible, please can you bring as little as you can with you on the day. So in other words, no cameras, no no mobile phones. The terms and conditions suggest that this is similar to undertaking a prison visit. Um, (laughs) I just talk about squeezing all the joy out of something, Jules. Absolutely, and I'm reading through this. It said, tickets have been limited to one per adult, a maximum of one book and one entry ticket per signing. Uh, Entry will be on a one-in, one-out basis. So basically, if I want to take a court-style artist with me to to draw a (laughs) to paint a picture of me (laughs) meeting Paul McCartney because I can't bring my camera, I can't do that. The court artist has to be in a separate party to be, unfortunately, which is a pity. Um, There also seems to be a very narrow window. I love it when the rules are so long that someone's obviously forgotten what they are halfway through and they become to contradict each other. Early arrivals may be turned away. Anyone arriving at the venue earlier than two hours before the advertised start time may be asked to return later. Um, right, fine. That's rule three. Rule four. <laughs> Due to the anticipated high turnout, well, you know, not if you can't take a camera, yeah. but anyway, water stones, um, uh, Please come prepared to queue. Okay, well, I can't be in that queue for more than two hours because that breaks the rules. But as long as I'm in that queue for 90 minutes, it's okay. So uh, we will aim to keep you updated on your waiting time. Some outside queuing may be required, so please come dressed appropriately for all weathers. Presumably not too big a cagoule because then you've got to put it in the bag drop. But anyway, (laughs) uh, rule um, rule six, the exact time at which the event ends will be determined by the promoters on the day. But if I've been there less than two hours, they can't end it then because it says that I can be in the queue for two hours so okay i hope they pull that in time um but then having you know realized that i have to get there in good time although although you know early though 
I can't queue for more than, exactly. I can't queue for more than two hours. Mm. I can't take a big kagoya. I can't take a court artist. I can't take my <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Rule seven: To avoid disappointment, we strongly advise you not to arrive any later than the signing start time. Late arrivals may may not have the opportunity to meet Paul McCartney. So basically, I've got a thirty-second window, essentially, is what <laughs> in which I can turn up and not be more than two hours early, but at the same time, not be ten seconds late for the signing. It's, it's. I mean, this is just, you know, this is something that comes out the the end of a male cow, isn't it? That smells. This is just, this is just ridiculous. Um, he will only be signing copies of Hey Grand Dude! Exclamation mark comma. No other idea items will be signed at this event um it says each adult with a valid ticket is welcome to attend with up to two children grand grandchildren aged 12 or under um your ticket will entitle you to one place in the queue to meet <laughs> so basically if i'm taking two kids with me one's got to sit on my shoulders and then the other one's got to sit on his shoulders because we can only take up one place in the queue the problem is is that if you're going to write these stupid rules waterstones you're then going to end up with you know narky people like me with too much time on their hands who happen to be employed as lawyers picking your rules apart for the purposes of being dryly entertaining on a podcast i mean it's it's i just think it's so stupid really don't you say it's so i i get that they have to have rules i get that paul mccartney is hugely popular i get that they're anticipating a high turnout and there's nothing more dispiriting than going to one of those events that's badly organised because then people push in front of you. And if you've got young children with you, it feels terribly unfair. I do get all of that and do like things to be well organised. But this does seem to be going ridiculously far, really. And it does. And the funniest thing about it is, is that this book, Grand Dude, is this kind of, um, if indeed that is your real name, um, is this sort <laughs> of um, a super cool granddad who takes his children on a whirlwind magical mystery tour. Um, I that granddad sounds like he's quite cool and possibly quite laid back, which doesn't really fit in with the kind of the nature of this event, does it? Unless, of course, um, they're going to uh, to the uh, tropical seas to Alpine Mountains, presumably not spending more than two hours there because they're not allowed to do so according <laughs> to the rules. I don't know. I like you. I find this tedious in the extreme, not just because I'm tired. Um, ticket holders must be present to beat Paul McCartney. So what you're saying is, is that I can't Skype in to someone else in the <laughs> FaceTime. All opportunities which which don't even seem to be kind of possible. Um, 19 rules. Rule 18. Management had the right to refuse entry or remove anyone who does not comply with these rules, who fails to follow reasonable instructions on the day. I don't see how having two children sat one on on top of each other on the top of my shoulders (laughs) in the queue is reasonable. But I'm sorry, Waterstones, we part ways on this. I really hope that Paul McCartney himself um, had nothing to do with laying out these... uh, Wormwood Scrubs or Broadmoor-style conditions of entry. It really is exactly. amazing. I, I, there isn't anything. It's it started to get a bit school trip before the end. I I I was expecting <laughs> to be told not to take any glass bottles or cans oh, with me and so. to only take pre-prepared drinks. I assume. I don't know. It just seems to be a bit. Presumably, you'll turn up on there'll be some kind of branded soft drink for purchase or yeah, something. I don't know. But like you say, one one hopes that this is just something that Paul McCartney has done because doing a children's book is hip and groovy 
Julian Coleman, and Stella's probably talked him into it. And and you you hope that he's just got someone else to sort this out, that he wanders in two minutes before it starts and then wanders out after it finishes, really, because it would be disappointing if he'd been involved in this kind of draconian sort of uh, sort of non-free love rulemaking, shall we say. I, I should think there's, there's less rules and regulations about getting into Buckingham Palace or the Houses of Parliament. Um, as you say, 19 terms and, uh, and conditions, which are quite lengthy and quite draconian, and they even repeat, there will be no personal photo or video opportunities at this event. And as you say, of course, security is at the forefront of people's minds these days, and there has to be some sort of process for this. Yeah. But I, after reading all of this, I, I thought, well, is it really worth doing it if it takes so many rules and do's and don'ts, and it seems to be aimed at generating publicity for the book, and and thus, I think, the fans who gets who get tickets for the day are kind of just extras in that procedure. It does. It does seem to be that we're just sort of there for colour, really, aren't they? Yes. Really? And so, and so also, I'm afraid to say, so Paul McCartney can sell books. Um, although when it comes down to it, I do find it quite ironic that, that you're not allowed to take photographs. Of what is the launch of what appears to be a picture book? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if they've thought this through. I suspect they might not have done. I wonder if they'll shake people down, you know, and just say, "Have you got this? Is that a spammer in your lapel?" It's exactly. Yes. I, you know, obviously standing in a queue for two hours with a boots disposable. <laughs> fun snaps camera secreted in a discreet area is going to be a bit of a trial but never mind as long as you're only doing it for one minute 15 one hour 59 minutes you'll be within the bounds of the rules coming next do you set your alarm for 4 a.m every day and then head to the gym uh, this is likely to be the shortest podcast topic we've ever had once i respond to this <laughs> that's next right after this splendid track from lump
so that is a song it's a little bit of a super group um so it's laura marling and mm. a chap called mike Lindsay, who is um a founding member of a band called tongue and also throws and i heard it on the radio the other day and i for the first at a sort of minute and a half i could have absolutely put money on it being stealing sheep who are an awesome female electro sort of a pop band with with, with, with sort of political influences that we have played occasionally on this podcast. Yeah. I'm a big fan. And then once Laura Marling started singing like Laura Marling two, two minutes in, I was like, oh, yes, that's Laura Marling, so this must be Lump. Um, they have uh, been recording together for a couple of years, um, and I really I really like this tune. I've, I've, I've enjoyed listening to it no end, and I have listened to it a lot ever since. I think it's one of those songs that's just kind of stuck in my head, really. That is Lump, and that is Curse of the Contemporary. Yeah, I love that. I thought, um, having not heard it or them before, I, I thought I detected an element of Kate Bush about it, and then... Mm. I read that the lyrics were inspired by Edward Lear and Ivor Cutler, so maybe I'm on the right track with that. Yes, I think that it is that kind of sort of uh, that very peculiar strain of bucolic Englishness that isn't folk, if you see what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, really, really lovely. Uh, excellent. Really enjoyed it. Now, a few years ago, in a different world, I, I was dispatched off to a hotel in London to interview <laughs> Belinda Carlyle. Wow, that really is a different world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm not being funny. This is really fun. And I like to think I'm an amiable companion, but I'm really not Belinda Carlyle. What happened? Well, it's, it's, she was she was lovely and very open. And she told yes. me as we chatted after the interview that most days she gets up at four o'clock in the morning to wow. do her yoga and she does chanting. It's Kundalinda yoga and chanting to help her feel healthier. Now, the only drawback to this was that we were meeting at five in the afternoon for the interview and she couldn't stop yawning, eventually saying that mm-hmm. she was going back to her to- hotel room for a nap. Now, I don't know if this was a result of my interviewing technique or... <laughs> I'm sure not. I think for I think Kundalini yoga or whatever it is at 4am is probably more likely to be to be a uh, be a factor that heaven not presumably a place on earth. By the <laughs> so yeah, maybe it was that she, that she got up at 4am as you say. Um, now, now for, but time to time magazines feature some CEO or high flyer who gets up and starts their day in the middle of the night to go to the gym and get ahead of the day. Now, Jules, your The Guardian reports that um, there are an ever-increasing number of early risers, and I wondered if you're amongst them. Are, are you up and on your way to the gym at four in the morning? Well, there's a slightly melancholy story behind this, which I, I will try and find a way of saying that isn't hugely depressing for everyone and, and principally me. But when I was younger, I used to be very, very good at getting up, very good at getting up. So yeah. I would wake up almost instantly. I would I would get up. I would often, you know, I'd be, I was very much an early riser, not 5 a.m. early, but I was not an early, an early bird kid. And then I, I became an early bird sort of young adult. And then in my mid-20s, I've talked about this on the podcast before, I uh, got an, an illness a condition called fibromyalgia which is basically a sort of a chronic fatigue and I went from being an incredibly deep sleeper and very easy getter upper to the polar opposite to being an incredibly light sleeper I would, I would have terrible night's sleep in which it would felt like I'd never slept at all and as a result of which I would then find it hard to get up which then got hard once I was put on medication to help my sleep so so now it takes me about an hour to actually physically wake up some mornings because I've got I've been knocked into such a deep 
sleep on sort of minor doses of medication and so so I'm quite sad in a way because I miss getting up very very early because there's a stillness about the early morning that, that I do enjoy that having said that I did used to go to a business networking meeting which began at half six once a week and that was I, I once you stop doing that I don't know how I'm ever going to get into the habit of doing it again but I, I so I've become a sort of a late pattern person and I remember there was a lovely questionnaire in my it was either my guardian or the radio times years ago that was are you a late pattern sleeper or an early pattern sleeper and one of the questions was you refuse to watch a film if it starts after nine o'clock on tv <laughs> and that's such a that's such a great way of separating people it really is but um so my my view is is that it depends what works for you really it is there is a good thing about what works about going into work very early or staying in work very late is that is that you get things done because you're not interrupted by other people so I suppose if you're trying to be productive and efficient I guess getting up in the early morning is probably a better idea because there's less likely to be other people up and other people going the stuff going on in terms of getting up for your own personal kind of peace of mind there is something quite peaceful about the morning although I, I use like British people I use Radio 4 as a way to punctuate my day I know that I am up too early if I'm a driving a car when farming today is on that's usually <laughs> that's usually the sign that, that I've had to do something that is really outside of my usual behaviour patterns I love this article that um, Emine Sainer has written in The Guardian um, she says a new study suggests that extreme early risers and we're defining extreme by the way people who are willingly up by half five so I'm not sure that shift work and such like are included in this um, may not just be restricted to a handful of tech CEOs and your annoying cat yes cat related getting up I'm glad doesn't count um Around one in 300 people tracked over nearly 10 years had unnaturally early awake times. And um, what's interesting is that this, um, this professor of neurology, Lewis, um, I'm going to pronounce this Patek, it might be wrong, um, or Pacheck, I think it is, a professor of neurology at the University of California, San Francisco, of course, has been interested in extreme early risers, which sounds like some kind of alternative <laughs> sport. It's actually, ironically, you would have seen on Trans World Sport, which was on at 6am on Channel 4 on Saturday mornings he's been interested in these extreme early risers for 20 years after meeting a woman who would wake up 1 or 2 a.m he said that it made her miserable and lonely she grew depressed reports the atlantic sometimes she would vacuum at 4 a.m just to oh, fill the time God. is there a more melancholy sentence in the english language i don't think there is and others you know people like mark Wahlberg, whose restaurant Wahlberg, as i recently attended much to my surprise um who created much excitement online last year. He claims to rise at 2.30 in the morning to pray, then exercise every morning. And in an interview earlier this year, your friend Belinda Carlyle is back with her... Oh, she's back. ...with her early rising, yes. Uh, revealed herself to be an extreme lark. I get up at 4am... coffee, ...then put on my Audible app and listen to a great spiritual teacher. I do occasionally listen to podcasts if I wake up very early and can't get back to sleep. There's... What's interesting here is that is that the article goes on to talk about early birds, and uh, some will be shift workers, but many will have arranged an earlier start to their day, which means they can leave work earlier. So they talk at this person that runs the 24-hour pure gym chain, and again, I find the idea of a 24-hour gym extremely alarming. Um, <laughs> that we'll get 50 to 60 people in, which is quite a lot. I don't know how big this gym is, but that sounds like quite a lot of people, Ooh. between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. And so that means that they said so they're typically Typically, people who work in busy offices, they work out, they grab a breakfast, they're at their desk by 7am. People organise their days around that sort of schedule if it's if it's sort of uh, suits them. I think that, that this is kind of a thing that um, 
that I think it's written up into more of a thing than it actually is. Yeah. The 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 root of this story is some people wake up early and then they do things that suits them within their day i don't i think it's probably disingenuous to say if you wake up and get up at half four every morning you're automatically going to become a ceo because i don't think that's really <laughs> how it works and it's interesting how every so often you read diaries from people ordinary people that try to follow this and they say i did get a lot done but i was absolutely dead on my feet by yes. half three in the afternoon and ended up going to bed at six o'clock before i'd had any tea which for me sounds like hell so so it's it's I do see the virtues of early rising and I find myself trapped in terrible patterns of guilt when I don't do it, which I don't think is the idea. I think we probably all just need to be accepting of the fact that some of us some of us work in different ways, although I think it, one thing that is good about it is that it, I do like the idea that you take time out of your day to, I don't want to use that awful hackney <laughs> phrase, be mindful, but the fact that you take some time to yourself and some time to kind of order your thoughts and just sort of not really do anything and just kind of be still i i do try and do that where i can in my day and actually early on in the morning at breakfast time because i live by myself is is well when i am here by myself that's a good time to do that so i i see i admire i I want people to be happy i want people to do what works for them and i admire people that are able to be that productive though like you say with your friend belinda yawning at five o'clock in the evening you uh you do end up paying the price i think ultimately i don't think there's a to use that phrase life hack that means that you don't need any sleep it, re- it reminded me about of about um maybe 10 years ago i was doing a demanding job that meant i needed to be in an office in london before 9 a.m mm. and commuting in from berkshire i needed to leave by about 6 30 in the morning because the yeah. 40 is just you know sheer hell so mm. i used to get up at 5 30 and the truth is that period of my life it, it and I, I'm not being overdramatic. It nearly killed me off. By not Friday, I was yeah, almost, yeah, I was almost nodding off in the car on the M40 coming into London, and I would feel drained by lunchtime. And I think, luckily, I, I stopped that way of life before. I, I don't know. I probably either before had a heart attack you. or yeah, crashed the car. Yeah, yeah it's, no, it's terrible. Yeah, I think if it's possible, and of course, for many, it isn't always possible. Uh, no. um, we should try and have sleep patterns that suit us rather than what's considered normal. And, um, you know, some people don't feel sleepy until 2 a.m. or whatever. But I think the high-flying people who get up before dawn often, I think, to show off what busy lifestyle yes, they lead, as you absolutely. said. absolutely. I think there is being seen to be busy. There is yeah. an element of that to do. That's very shrewd, I think. I'd say um, get a life, but I mean that literally and kindly. And Because um, I always think nobody ever gets to, I'm sure, gets to 90 years old, reflects back on their life and says, oh, I'm glad I got up at 3.30am every day so I could spend more time in the office. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing as well that I think could possibly fold out into slightly wider discussion on this is when you read all these kind of glamorous CEO lifestyles, Mark Wahlberg can probably literally afford to get up at 2.30am because if Mark Wahlberg is knackered, Mark Wahlberg can just get some nice food card in, can't he? Mark Wahlberg can be driven everywhere. Um, Mark Wahlberg getting up at 2.30 in the morning is a bit different from, um, you know, a single mother that is cleaning hospitals that has to get up at half two in the morning or you know people that are like you say don't have any choice over their kind of shift patterns and to open it up wider still i think at some point 
it's obvious that you know we look at the micro political issues that are going on in in, in Britain and in, and in America. By micro, I mean we look at the sort of the party pol- political issues that's going on. At some point, I do think we are probably going to have some kind of radical realignment about the way that we run our world and the way that we run our lives and how we think about things. I never thought I'd say this because I'm someone that works very hard, but I think that we need to start having a conversation about work and what it means and I know we've talked a little bit previously about universal basic income I also think that the four day week is probably going to come into play at some point because I, I have noticed that I am noticeably more productive if I do a four day week and therefore perhaps to some extent rather than having flexibility over hours well rather than having flexibility over how many days you do because I know that flexi times a thing in local government and stuff like that maybe we might approach a stage where we can have some kind of flexi time at work as to what hours we work as in you know some people might want to go in at 3am but then that has impacts for other people I suppose hmm. no it's, 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 a, it's a point something perhaps we could explore uh, in, in more detail another time now mm. what's next I'll tell you it has over <laughs> a billion downloads and reduces life to 15 second segments and I did not know what this was until you sent it to me so that's how plugged in I am with the world that's next right after the raspberries Sounds funny But I'm not in it for the money, no I don't need no reputation And I'm not in it for the show
Well, with that title, it could be Juliet's theme tune um, <laughs> <laughs> from glorious era of power pop in the autumn of 1974. Uh, number 18 on the Billboard Hot 100, The Raspberries, an overnight sensation. I don't think you can be an overnight sensation at the age of nearly 35. But anyway, <laughs> God bless you, Sarah, as always. The thought was there. Um in an era where life is, uh, let's say, continually condensed in the sense that mm. we tend not only to want everything and want it now, we also want it to be concise. Don't... Yes, we want things to be instant and we want them to be as over as quickly as possible, I think, by and large. Yeah, that's right. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Exactly. Mm. Um we want the edited highlights of everything, never the full story. I've long believed that within a generation, young people will be saying that a song is too long if it lasts longer than a minute, and that within a few years... <laughs> no, that I really is, believe that is, this. That is, that is really rooted, no, I really it? believe this. Within a few years, I think, uh, young people will be saying TV shows and perhaps even movies will be, you know, get to the point, Grandad. Um, the most downloaded uh, app of the last year mm. is TikTok Jules and that which announced... I thought was was the hit I thought when you sent me this link that you yeah. were going to send me a link to the hit by Kesha or as my lovely friend Joe insists on calling her key dollar sign ha because that is how her name is laid out um uh, TikTok was a huge hit I think in about 2006 7 maybe and I thought you were referring to that well, well there you go well this this app um allows users to create short music videos but here's the thing they run to a mm. minimum of three and a maximum of 15 seconds. That, that this I find this bewildering, I must admit. And I'm still, you know, uh, uh, technically meant to be a young person, or at least not terribly old anyway. I'm not quite middle-aged yet, but I'm still just about quite clinging to my millennial status with my fingernails. But I find this very strange. Well, interestingly, a similar thing happened with Vine a few years ago. Mm. Do you remember that before it got bought by somebody and then trashed her, I think? My my friend who's a journalist and a writer, some renowned, you know, she's had lots of books published, etc., and is in the National papers writing things her daughter who was a sort of a mid-teenager at the time um had a, a a video on vine that was six seconds long that was looping of her doing an impression of someone from a um a, a reality show who banged bin lids together or something some equivalent of big brother who said i can't get any sleep and banging bit dust literally dust bin lids there and she put on her dad's pajama trousers her dad who used to be a professional footballer in australia i know the story just gets stranger it, and it does uh, a little and, yes and uh and uh, yeah he's he's a, a serb i think he was a professional soccer player in australia um she walked into the kitchen and uh, did this kind of banging bin lids together and laughing and it got watched 500,000 times in a day, I think, or something that was crazy like that. And, of course, her dad had no idea what Vine was, and her mum, who's much more switched on, <laughs> tried to explain it was the equivalent of going on Newsnight, which I think is such a great <laughs> way of explaining things to people that don't really understand. But, um, but yeah, I like you. I, I find this really strange. I, I just... I mean, I, you know, I, I occasionally, being, as my friend puts it, extremely online, particularly WhatsApp, I find WhatsApp quite a good way of chatting with my friends, and we do it a lot. We often send each other little gifts, um, which are kind of, you know, sort of brief 
animated moments and they're never more than three or four seconds long um i can kind of under you know i do communicate in that format sometimes and i do kind of understand them but what's so bewildering about this is how much money people can make off it and increasingly we do seem to hit this topic every so often the kind of the the you know I, I wouldn't say these people were grifters necessarily. I know we've we've slagged off the kind of YouTubers and and you know the Zoellas of this world previously, and that that terrible bloke, that what's his name, Paul, that was just horrible. Oh, and Logan we, Paul. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I wanted to call him Aaron Paul, but no, that was that nice man that was in Breaking Bad. He does not deserve me slagging him off. But yeah, there's some very yeah there's there there's some very people that just did, literally seem to be grifting, like you, like like we said. But this woman here. Earlier this year, Leanne Bailey spent an entire day making 100 cookies for a birthday party, and she got $300 for her efforts. So that's $3 a cookie. You think, oh, yeah, that's 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 pretty good. You know, that yeah. yes, it took a whole day, but that's not bad. Later that week, she went on the app TikTok, which allows users to make 15-second videos set to music, and created a pair of cookie-decorating posts under the name of The Bailey Bakery. She netted $1,000. So she made... Three and a third, so, so three, uh, yeah, yeah, three hundred and sixty-six percent increase. You know, I, I can't do the do the ratio of six fifty seconds an entire day in my head, but that is crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. And someone who her manager, so the fact that she's got a manager, I think, slightly freaks me out as well. The manager says she's a forty-plus-year-old lady from Kentucky who has four kids, and TikTok videos are helping to financially support her. Um, this person is an in. This is what's so crazy. They're an intern at Arista Records, Divine Dula Um They're an intern, so you know the olden days, the tea makers and sweeper uppers yeah. at Arista Records, who is now managing Bailey and twenty TikTok users who reach a combined seventy million in in audience on the side so that's their kind of you know part-time job managing these people that get all these hits bailey alone has over four million fans this is the woman and that's the baking woman yeah the baking woman and the manager says we get 10 to 15 inquiries a day from artists and labels and this is the the nub of this i think wanting to pay us to use their songs so i think we've talked previously about sort of music and how Music used to be the thing that people wanted, wasn't it? And people used and yeah. music used to be the thing that if you got your, you know, if your if an advert used a cool song, think of the Levi's adverts in the eighties. Yeah, you yeah. know, an advert, you yes, so songs did well because Levi's was a cool brand. But equally, those songs made Levi's cool, didn't they? They yeah. were that was kind of you know they were they were impressive because you think, oh yeah, Levi's they use great great music in their ads. Whereas now it's almost gone completely the other way, and the the people rather than people getting famous for singing the singers want to jump on the back of people who are famous i'm not tagging this woman off because you know she she was you know she'd done something useful and you know why not but equally it does seem a little strange that you know if you're a musician now the way that you make your fortune is by having somebody else that's famous for doing something completely random happening to use your music on a 15 second video of them it's 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 got to the point where I you know I I don't know what to say about it because I just don't understand it I just I just don't get why it's described as the short form form version of YouTube and like you say we seem to be condensing everything down into a thing but I just um I just find it so strange I just think it's so um 
it's so odd and when you the law the, this is a rolling stone article the longer you read down the more that you come up with these kind of different platforms and sub- subsidiaries and subsidiaries and i just think you know i am my dad now i have literally no idea mm. what this is and what is going on it's so odd it's just i think one of the most dispiriting things about it is the top 20 most followed accounts on this tiktok nearly all are very young people who describe themselves as social media personalities and that's uh-huh. that's that's their oeuvre that's what they do it's it's not that's, that they're that's a job now that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a career that's a, although one could argue it isn't a career because it's all it's almost i think it's akin to being a child star isn't it really you're having a big career and I, I wonder if these people realise this. If you're a young person that's a social media star, it's not it's it's not the equivalent of being a TV presenter, which I think is what people think it is. Mm. It's an equivalent, I think, of being a very young child actor or actress who then grows up and wonders what on earth they're going to do with their life. Yeah. I could be wrong, but but it's, this does feel faddish. It doesn't feel like it's got a strong foundation. It seems so vacuous because if you're a social media personality because you're showing. Uh, a skill at doing something or an art of doing something that's one thing but they actually that their their uh, actual role is social media personality and they have 20 to 30 million followers each these uh, top 20 most followed accounts so we truly are entering a new world where people largely very young people as i say are taking as their entertainment a show in inverted commas that lasts a maximum 15 seconds and what a revolution has taken place um when i saw this during the week i mentioned on social media the other day about um how when i was about five years old my first cinema experience was when a young friend had his birthday and some of us Mm. five five years old were taken by the boy's father to see our first ever movie at the cinema and it was Mm. david lean's uh epic Lawrence of Arabia, but here's Gosh, the thing. Wow, yeah. Three hours and twenty-two oh, yes. minutes at five years old. I remember my old. science teacher telling me at school that he had it on VHS, and the VHS copy that he had actually had an intermission of fifteen minutes in the middle <laughs> where the screen went blank. <laughs> so yes, we, we, there was an intermission when I was five, and that was the bit yeah. I enjoyed most because we had this uh, pink, <laughs> yeah, pink and white the... ice cream of indeterminate oh, flavour. Yeah. Yes, but you know, imagine our fifteen-second. TikTok people being asked to sit through a movie of three hours and, plus. And, and that is worrying, isn't it? Like you say, that seems to be that social media is breaking down all of our concentration. And I think both of us have talked about this before on the podcast, how it's affected us as older people with fully developed brains. Well, we, we, we would allege so anyway, whereas, you know, young younger people whose brains are still forming, that's why there's been research done about cannabis for people smoking, you know, young brains that aren't fully formed. They are very impressionable. They, you know, and I don't mean that as a kind of an old old lady rattling pearls i mean that as a scientific fact although one thing that i do find interesting about this and i am gonna if anything have any false hope about this (laughs) i I wonder if so when we've talked about these people doing their 15 second videos just sort of baking and things and we talk about the 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 kid that plays video games and got really famous and zoella unboxing you know stuff she's bought from boots what's so what's i'm sorry but you know what it's like but, but but basically what's and then and then that terrible advent calendar but anyway what i find interesting is that what young people seem to be flocking to when they're watching at first i thought it was people that were they were watching aspirational things so you know the kardashians and people like that but now it seems to me like people are people young people like 
watching other people that are sort of like them, if you see what I mean. So they do things that they do, which makes me think, I wonder if now that people want to watch normal lives on a screen, is that the end game for people wanting to watch anything on a screen? Are we going to go full circle and people are just going to go and end up going out and doing stuff because what they end up watching on the screen is just like life and it and does isn't different enough to what they're doing i don't know maybe i have that completely wrong but it'd be interesting to see and i think that just makes any of us if we follow that lifestyle just ever more insular in that mm. we only experience what we're experiencing um and we don't push those boundaries out and try and absolutely learn things, yeah. and actually as a sort of a just as a kind of a footnote a ps on this i know we've talked previously about um catch up tv and 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 sort yeah. of how that works and i actually realized during the week that catch up tv i know that netflix has these algorithms or algorithms where they where they i can never say that properly where they um where they they say oh if you like this you'll like this so they give you yes, recommendations yes, 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 yes. that's one way of discovering things yes. but i had a lovely old school moment earlier in the week when i happened to have the television on and i'd been watching something i'd recorded and then it just went on to the television so i channel surfed which i very rarely do and i i fell across uh, there was a, there's been a, a, a drama or a sort of a documentary thing on four nights this week i think on on bbc2 following a murder case and i ended up sort of watching 10 minutes of that and then afterwards they just said oh this is on now and it was something called better things and i had no idea what it was right. it turns out it's a it's a it's a sort of a comedy drama series it's a very kind of i would describe it as a serious comedy that has been uh, co-created by pamela alton and louis ck which did put me off i must admit after his kind of travails but it's basically a half an hour sort of program each 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 week and it follows a woman who is a single actress mother single mother who's also an actress who's got three kids and she's trying to be a single parent and going out with various men and her mother is played by Celia Imry and is a bit of a nightmare but also suffering from dementia and it, I had no idea what it was before I just happened to cross it and it was brilliant and I'm probably going to now try and find the, find the sort of DVD box sets because I really really want to watch it all because it looks brilliant and it does make me think do we miss out on these voyages of discovery in the world of catch up and that sort of thing you know I, I, like you say do we end up in a world where we end up listening to what we listen to and um, algorithms you know on Spotify and things we they said oh if you like this you'll like something that's almost pretty much like this yeah. you know are we missing out yes almost certainly we are now jules um Hmm. Anybody following you on social media will know on that you've socials, got a, yes. yeah, a very busy week ahead. But it starts off um, tomorrow, as we record this, um, back on Radio 2 tomorrow, but Ryland's away. He is, and for the best reason ever, frankly, he is away filming Supermarket Sweep, which is just the greatest thing. So uh, I will be, um, I will be taking up my delightful ten-minute residence on Radio Two. As someone said to me in the pub the other night, honestly, don't do it down. I'm a singer-songwriter. I kill for ten minutes on yeah, Radio Two every Saturday yeah. afternoon. I will be talking to the delightful Joe Lysett, who I like very much. Uh, we discussed him last week. Yeah. That's the way I heard Joe Lysett, as he called his uh, his stand-up show, um, and the follow-up. I'm about to lose control and i think joe lysett he is he is excellent i like him a lot so i'm looking forward to chatting with him and hopefully hopefully being able to hang on for the return of Ryland next week but who knows anything can happen um it's this uh, ridiculous quiz that i've been taking part in bbc radio 2 the show starts at three o'clock on uh, saturday afternoons and i'm usually wandering about 20 past four
And you're also, I think you've got a, a DJing gig during. I the have, week. yes, I am DJing at the big, um, the big gay quiz for Hastings Pride. It's it's sort of Hastings Pride Bank Holiday weekend, which hilarious is almost upon us. How did we get there? But anyway, um, it's the Sunday is the kind of main event, but there are various things going on in Hastings in the sort of week leading up to it. And on the Wednesday evening, it's the second annual big gay quiz, um, which is going to be a lot of fun at the Printworks in Hastings. Starts seven o'clock sharp, and I know the boat is running in. He means seven o'clock when he says seven o'clock and i am djing playing lots of fun sort of upbeat pop and disco and, and things that i think fit and i will also be dressed as a policeman in drag so if that floats your boat <laughs> please do come down <laughs> and that's on the 21st of uh, the 21st August. yeah and, and it's all in a good cause by the way it 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 ra- it's it's raising money for the albert kennedy trust which works with um specifically works with homeless young lgbt people who've had some sort of family breakdown or have been unfortunately asked to leave their house as a result of being gay and it works help with those teenagers so it's it's a huge fundraiser we we, we usually raise you know a four-figure sum so it's really worth coming down for it's a lot of fun and there will also be a be a paint by a sort of an art round but hosted by sadie hennessy who is a very renowned artist so i think that might be worth coming down for on the strength of that alone frankly excellent thanks very much for listening we really uh, we're really glad you join us yeah, I mean, I'm always surprised, but I'm, I'm very glad, nonetheless. <laughs> and uh, thanks to Hilly and Rona behind always, the scenes. Um, uh, oh, to play us an absolutely terrific slice of sophisticated pop. It's wonderful, isn't it? Now, I, I, I don't know. Again, speaking of the creepy world of, a logarithm, of, of algorithms and are they, are they coming after us? Um, maybe it's realised that I listen to this kind of music this kind of this time of year. But I've, I've been starting to think about what I will play for this this set mm. at this this prize gig. And it was around this time last year that I did. And my Apple Music, the sort of the equivalent of the Spotify Discover playlist, oh, that yes. it gives you your 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 personal plays every week. Mm. Apple Music, which I now use, did do an equivalent called favorites and it's a mix of stuff that you listen to loads and the occasional things it think you thinks you might like but it's far less based on the kind of the it's more you've listened to this based rather than we think you'll like this based on this type thing and it threw up a like a sort of an endless run of eight absolute sort of up-tempo pop bangers some of which were 80s and this this came came up and i thought i've got to play this but as a result of which my friend always kind of laughs and says after i've always i've i've, I've played it a sort of an event where I have to theme my normal DJ sets then are all that for about the next six months so actually my my DJing became remarkably more disco based after I'd done Pride last year so I don't quite know how high it's going to go this year but no I love this I think it's such a glorious pop song it's possibly one of the, my favourite ever pop songs I think because I think it's like you say it's, it's not very long it's it just it does everything that it needs to and I think it's such a wonderful performance from Martin Fry it's, it's such a, a, a sort of a bravado thing but it's it's perfectly poised and it's it's the home of one of my favorite favorite um facts in pop which is in the book rip it up and start again written by simon reynolds about post-punk um they they sang this there's i think it might be in the chapter about ztt but i can't remember they he sang this and you know the bit where he sings when your um girl leaves you out on the pavement and a woman's voice says goodbye that is the singer's ex-girlfriend who they had to track down in a pre-internet age 
stage and ring three people to get her who very well, kindly okay. agreed to come into the studio and say goodbye and that was <laughs> her uh, that was her gig so um, I love that the level of detail which ABC were functioning I think that it's that is shown by that song I think because every note of this is where, exactly where it needs to be and it is glorious and uplifting and everything it should be so I think it is the perfect thing to play at a Pride event this is uh, this is ABC and the look of love Listening to a Parish Council production.